The following podcast may contain adult language and conversations revolving around situations not suitable for immature audiences. Spoilers and general political incorrectness can often be expected, so listener discretion is advised. They must be destroyed on sight! for another episode of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. Well, actually not an official episode. We're on an intermission episode. Uh, this is either, I think, 11 or 12 or 12 or 13, one or the other. Both Daniel and I are doing intermission episodes for the next couple weeks to give you something in place of a regular episode because real life shit has gotten in the way, so we can't really get together and record or even really have the time to watch the movies we wanted to watch to record, so... This is mostly um, my fault. Work has just been way too busy in real life, so hopefully it's finally going to slow down. I've said it a couple times now that it was supposed to have slowed down, and it hasn't. But it looks like after this week I'm going to be back on kind of a regular schedule again, which will be very nice. Because I love doing this, and I actually get really irritated when I can't sit down with Daniel and hopefully Paul when he's available and talk about movies on the weekend and then edit the podcast put it out for you guys and have one or two people actually said they liked it so you know uh, I do get quite a thrill out of that stuff so that's why we're doing this something to uh, get my fix and hopefully maybe get your fix as well but enough rambling I do have notes here of what I'm supposed to be talking about I think the first thing I got to mention is uh, what is coming up in the next official episode uh, we're going to be doing Johnny Mnemonic and Starship Troopers. That's going to be our last little sort of break episode before we get back into uh, a main series again. And the main series, the next big series we're going to be doing is the Spaghetti Western series. And this is something I've been planning ever since before the podcast was even a thing. Uh, something I've wanted to do, something Daniel's wanted to do. Uh, I know Daniel's excited to get into some Spaghetti Westerns. It's going to be a six-part series, so the next six episodes after Johnny Mnemonic and Starship Troopers is going to be all Spaghetti Westerns, hopefully. Unless something, you know, some sort of wrench comes into the plan one week and we have to throw up another intermission or something, but it's going to be Spaghetti Westerns. And then after that, we're going to probably break off and do a couple one-offs here and there, hopefully maybe have some uh, guests come on, trying to get James Murphy on at some point. As a guest, maybe get back Jack Graham. Uh, I know Gary Hill from Cinema Beast showed interest in wanting to guest on the show, which was pretty flattering to have someone who uh, is that sort of big in the uh, sort of movie podcast game. Cinema Beef is a really good podcast. I like that. So uh, I am a fan of Gary Hill's work. But uh, here's the outline for the Spaghetti Western series. So part one is going to be... And I actually have these little titles here. I don't know if I'm going to use them when I actually post the episodes, but part one is called The Many Faces of Django. And essentially we're just going to review the original Django. We're going to talk a little bit about Django Unchained because, you know, essentially it's not really a spaghetti western, so kind of doesn't fit with the series, but I think we need to mention it at least to some degree. And we're just going to talk about the Django quote-unquote series in general. Now, what I mean by that, of course, is there's actually only officially two Django films. 
But there's all these films that are called Django. Some are actually legit intended to be sort of sequels to Django in a, in a way, where they're just like flat out using the character and putting him in different movies. Uh, although, you know, a lot of the times he doesn't really resemble anything that Franco Nero did uh, in the original Django. But then there's just a lot of cases where, and this happened in Spaghetti Westerns all the time, where you have a popular character name in a, in a popular film, and then you use it to promote your film, even if your film was originally called something else, and may even be retitled something else after you call it Django this and that, just to, you know, sell more tickets. So, I mean, there's just a ton of Django. Basically, it's called, like, I guess you could call it, like, Django exploitation almost. Uh, they did the same thing, I think, with... Um, Ringo, I think, is another pretty popular spaghetti western name that sort of got bandied about in several films. So you, you, you'll get all these films that'll say, like, Django this, Django that, and there's no Django at all, and the character's named something else, and it was just a lure to get people in to watch the film. So we'll we'll talk a bit about that. So that'll, that'll be one whole episode there. Part two is going to be uh, Pasta Cowboys in Hell, uh, where we actually cover one of these films that sort of uses the Django name, even though it's not really Django. It's called Django Kill. If you live, shoot. The other one we're going to be covering is Four of the Apocalypse, uh, Lucio Fulci, Spaghetti Western. And uh called this one Pasta Cowboys in Hell because these are both sort of surreal, uh, almost horror films. Horror Western films, essentially, uh, in the Spaghetti Western genre. Closest film I can think of genre-wise that sort of falls into the same category would be High Plains Drifter. I'm pretty sure it would probably fit into that and maybe Hang em High. Both Clint Eastwood ones, those are both sort of horror, or at the very least kind of surreal uh, westerns to a certain degree. So we're going to be covering those. Part three is going to be Lee Van Cleef is nobody to fuck with. We're going to do two uh, classic Lee Van Cleef spaghetti westerns. We're going to avoid his uh, work in the Dollars trilogy. We're actually just going to avoid the Dollars trilogy altogether this time out. We might come back to it when we pick up the spaghetti western series some, somewhere down the line, but... We're going to be tackling Death Rides a Horse and tackling Sabata, which is another uh, semi-popular sort of spaghetti western character. One of the more minor ones, but uh, still very popular. Yul Brynner was in the second Sabata movie. We're we're going to talk a little bit about the second and third Sabata movies as well. Van Cleef came back for the third one, but that should lead in some interesting discussions about uh, spaghetti westerns that sort of became comedies. They they got more comedic, more over the top. Um, the, the, there's certainly a vein of that in the in the Sabata films as they went on. So uh, that'll be something interesting to cover. And we're also being co- going to be covering Grand Duel, another sort of overlooked classic and i think most people just know it from one of its uh, more iconic pieces of music being used in uh, quentin tarantino films so there you go part four is going to be the mexican revolution uh we're going to have the mercenary uh franco nero and a um jack palance film actually jack palance is in another one of these ones as well might be in both of the other ones i can't remember right off the hand i don't think so i think just in the second one here Companioneros from 1970 and that should be interesting and also run man run from 1968 uh, mercenary also from 1968 and these are movies that sort of put spaghetti western storylines in with the backdrop of the mexican revolution so and there's quite a few spaghetti westerns that sort of cover that kind of called zapata westerns i guess is sort of the mini subgenre of spaghetti westerns that they sort of fall into part five is going to be 
Good versus Evil or Shades of Grey, and that's just going to be one film, The Great Silence, which is probably one of the more thoughtful and thought-provoking spaghetti westerns ever made. Probably one of the closest ones to the Leone trilogy, like one of the other few ones that can be like considered a legitimate cinematic classic piece of art um, that sort of transcends the genre. We're going to be uh, looking at that. And uh, it's got a pretty good uh, Klaus Kinski performance in that one as well. Last one, last part, part six, is going to be Death of the Old West, or Death of the Genre. And we're just going to be talking about Once Upon a Time in the West in that one from Leone. And uh, yeah, and I think we'll have plenty to say just about that one film in that episode. It's both a personal favorite of Daniel's and mine, so it shouldn't be, uh, it should be kind of a no-brainer that we're going to have a lot to say about that one. Okay, we're going to play a little bit of music here, take a little break, play some trailers for some podcasts that I really like, and when I come back, I'm going to briefly talk about a couple podcasts that I really like that I don't have trailers for, Uh, but all these are shows that I think you guys should check out and support, and then I'm going to give you two uh, reviews, my thoughts on the 2016 all-females Ghostbuster uh, reboot remake, rehash, whatever the fuck you want to call it, as well as Suicide Squad. So uh, that should be fun. And then we'll go out with some cool music again, and we'll be done. So we'll be right back, guys. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. Ah, ah, ah. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Penny in Wool Rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Hail Ming. Ming. Wait! 
You see those transmissions on the Visua screen? Crawl? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Helming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Helming. Breaking two? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance? <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's flash dance. Movies need only three things. Badasses. You tell me who you want done, and I'll do the hell out of it. A chick with drive who don't take no jive. Boobs. Do you know that the female breast, known to be the source of life since Eve, can be deadly weapons? And body counts. Body count. The mathematics of murder. And menace. The BB and BC podcast is your source for exploitation film discussion of B movies. You can find the show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio by searching for BB and BC podcast. You can also listen to each episode directly from the show's website located at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Let's go to work. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off.
Alright, the Kevin Feige directed Ghostbusters from 2016. Didn't like it much, gotta say. And keeping in mind, I'm trying to come to this from a position of I don't give a fuck about the weird controversies going on between different groups of people involved in this. I wish the movie could have done the same thing. I wish they could have dropped that sort of shit, but they didn't. And I think that's part of the problem with this film. First of all, biggest thing is it's not really all that funny. It, it really isn't. It tries too hard to be about jokes all the time. It's just like jokes, jokes, jokes. It, it tries to have jokes. The original Ghostbusters didn't do that. Okay? The original Ghostbusters, the humor was written in, but it came out in a natural way. And a lot of times through the performances of the actual characters. It doesn't really work here. Here it's much more obvious. It's much more mugging for the camera. What's her name? Uh... Lucy Jones, I don't know, the uh, the loud black woman. Basically, that's her character, loud black woman, which is really unfortunate. And she's just mugging for the fucking camera all the time, and it just didn't work for me. I'm sorry, it didn't. Uh, Kristen Wiig is, I felt like she was totally wasted in this. I mean, she's doing her Kristen Wiig thing, but she just doesn't have much to work with, material-wise, as far as I could tell. So yeah, this thing has apparently had uh, reshoots. Uh, I think you can kind of tell that there were some production uh, woes here. I think some of it was a reaction to the negative reaction it was getting online, and that's unfortunate. They should have just fucking ignored that shit and just went with whatever they were originally going to go with because it seems like they added in stuff to try to thumb their noses at that reaction. And instead of coming off clever or fun, it just comes off as a weak troll. Honestly, I don't want to see that shit. I want to see a movie. I want to see a funny movie with interesting characters, and I really didn't get it here. The only real interesting character was the one, I'm forgetting her name, but the one who's basically playing the uh, the female Egon counterpart, who kind of looks like the Egon from the uh, real Ghostbusters cartoon TV show, if you're familiar with that. Although a much more uh, dynamic character than uh, Egon in, in, in some ways. Probably the most interesting character in the film. Good actress. Funny. She needed more to do in this film. It would have been a lot more interesting. But, no, the film just kind of goes from CGI bullshit to CGI bullshit. They, the effects don't look particularly good. The jokes fall flat for me, for the most part. And the villain wasn't all that interesting. And, uh, again, the movie just seemed a little too self-conscious about what it was and how people were preconceived to judge it and it shouldn't have worried about that shit it should have worried about trying to actually make a good movie and i don't think they really did it is it mildly entertaining i'd say so i mean it's not terrible to watch i didn't actively hate it or anything like that and i'll say this for it it's mostly better than ghostbusters 2 if that tells you anything so i mean at the very least it's the second best ghostbusters movie out there but uh after that i just i don't care and it's hard to tell how much of the box office kind of failure that this is seeing and make no mistake even if it's making its budget back and a little bit of money on top of that it's still kind of a box office failure because it's not what they were projecting for it looks like it's going to be kind of a dead in the water kind of thing where they're not going to have a sequel now which is unfortunate in some ways because there's potential here for these characters to be interesting and actually put in an interesting movie that doesn't rely on winking and nudging you about the original Ghostbusters film and fucking reacting to the sort of fan outcry. You, you gotta stop doing it. You, you don't bait the trolls. 
just sort of what I where I settle on this. It's just it's fucking ridiculous, man. It, it's so fucking ridiculous. Uh, and I mean the people who are outraged by this because oh it's a remake or oh they're shitting on my childhood. I got a newsflash for you. They're not going back and erasing all the old VHS copies of Ghostbusters. This is not the new Ghostbusters that's replacing your old Ghostbusters. You don't have to fucking watch it. Complaining about it just makes you look like a fucking asshole, really. If you want to, you know, judge it, judge it on its actual merits as a film. And I don't think it has a lot, so there you go. Would I recommend anyone see it? Nah, personally not. I mean, if it's what you're into, it's what you're into. This film probably be pretty good for kids. Oh, I forgot. Chris Hemsworth is kind of amusing. Although he's just really dumb. Like, all the male characters in this are just really dumb. And I get it. That's the point. That's their... Oh, we're the female Ghostbusters. We're going to thumb our nose at all the uh, men's right activists who hate on us. And, yeah, great. Good for you, ladies. Uh, it's too bad you actually didn't have interesting characters or a good movie. That would have made your case a lot better, I think. And that's kind of where I sit on it. It's just, it's not that good. I'd, I'd rather go back and watch... Um, the David Duchovny, uh, was it Evolution from back in the 2000s? It's kind of the same thing. It's got Julianne Moore in it, so I'd like to watch that. More Moore is always good with me. This is kind of a pass for me. I'm glad I just watched it on uh, fucking Put Locker. Didn't pay money for it. I wouldn't suggest anyone else do. Unless you want to take your kids to it, I guess. I, I, I guess maybe um, kids would be interested in this. Might be good role models, I guess, for little girls. I ne wouldn't necessarily say so. Like Again, like I say, only one really sort of full-fleshed-out female character at all of the leads. And that's the uh, female Egon. The Shegon, as it were. But the rest of them are just kind of either overplayed, like Leslie Jones, which is kind of embarrassing, I think, at this point. Or they're kind of underplayed. Melissa McCarthy is actually showing restraint compared to most of her performances, which was kind of nice, I guess. And like I said, Kristen Wiig's just kind of wasted on this, I think. But maybe I just don't get it. I don't know. I don't fucking care either. I'm not going to watch it again. So uh, there you go. Ghostbusters 2016. <laughs> All right, lastly, we're going to finish up with a review of Suicide Squad. Oh man, I gotta say I was really disappointed with this one as well. Uh, I didn't have high hopes for this either, uh, just like with the uh, Ghostbusters film. Uh, but in a lot of ways, this kind of disappointed me more. This is like let's make no bones about it. This is DC's attempt at a Guardians of the Galaxy type film. Uh, they're responding to critics here. They're like, we gotta lighten things up a little bit, but at the same time, we gotta think make things more a little bit more adult as well. We gotta respond to Deadpool and that success. So we got to raunch it up a little bit, and we got to make it funny. But at the same time, we got to be dark because it's DC, and all of our films are going to be dark and serious as well to some degree. I guess they kind of pull that off. But one of the biggest problems here, and this is one of the stumbling blocks, potential stumbling blocks, I should say, that Guardians of the Galaxy managed to overcome, is that they introduce a bunch of characters that. A lot of people don't know. Let's face it, Deadshot, Killer Croc, and Harley Quinn are probably the most well-known characters. And even then, it's kind of a niche thing with Deadshot and maybe even Killer Croc. Who knows? But a lot of the characters aren't all that well-known. They really aren't. So you've got to fit them all in. 
you've got to give some semblance of a backstory, some semblance of character. You got to make them interesting. You got to make them be able to interact with each other in an interesting way that people like. Then you got to get people interested in seeing these people work together or against each other in some combination to resolve some sort of problem or conflict. And they just can't do it. They don't pull it off. I think one of the biggest problems here is, first off, the conflict is too big for the Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad is not, at least in my mind, perhaps I'll be corrected by some comic book nerd out there who'll go, well, actually, the Suicide Squad did this in issue 34. No, listen, the Suicide Squad is supposed to be handling smaller things. The idea that they can handle some big fucking metahuman threat of some kind is just kind of ridiculous because most of them don't even have superpowers of any sort uh and most of them can't fucking take batman in a fight so yeah it doesn't work that being said some of the characters are fine i mean the ones they pay attention to are fine will smith is pretty good even though he doesn't wear the dead shot mask for about 90 percent of the fucking movie actually i think he only wears it for like three seconds in the fucking movie honestly and that's a hollywood thing of course you don't want to put your star under a mask because then people aren't going to want to watch it for some fucking reason because oh i don't get to see will smith's beautiful face i don't buy that shit i think that's just marketing bullshit that they've convinced themselves of and i don't think it ever really pans out and works harley quinn is not crazy enough she's just kind of quirky definitely not as good as the cartoon version that's for sure and uh she's mostly this there for eye candy which is kind of disappointing i mean she looks good i mean i'm not gonna complain about that but she doesn't really don the uh traditional harley quinn suit where she really looks fucking good in that uh they should if, if they wanted to really go for that angle they should have done that more but then again that's again putting a mask on her and they don't want to do that shit they don't want to put masks on anybody in this fucking film killer croc is underused he's supposed to be this big bruiser type character i mean he's essentially supposed to be the incredible hulk of this team and eh, he doesn't do shit in the film captain boomerang give me a fucking break uh i mean he's he always is supposed to be like this kind of untrustworthy loser, but he's supposed to be kind of, you know, a lovable loser at the same time. Like one where you can kind of get behind him because he's kind of witty and stuff. This guy just, he just sucks. He's a loser. But like I said, yeah, they, 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 they have to tackle a big problem. This is something that should have been built up to future films. Like this underlying storyline of the Enchantress, which is part of their team becoming evil that would be something i would like want to stretch between like two or three films and make that the eventual big event that they have to tackle you know where they've actually had some time as a team under their belt and can actually you know maybe handle a situation like this but this idea of them going right out of the fucking gates fighting big super-powered god-like beings it doesn't jive with me at all it's like well if they can do that then why the fuck do we need superman in the first place it just doesn't make sense to me the flash and batman cameos don't work it's just more kind of oh we're like the marvel universe now we're doing little uh, inserts here and there uh letting you know there's a bigger universe out there guys the joker jared leto's joker is not nearly as annoying as i thought he was going to be still looks like shit uh the tattoos and all the uh weird uh whatever he's got going on there jewelry and all that shit not good doesn't work but it, the performance is fine it's kind of half jack nicholson half uh heath ledger it's all right he's only on screen for like three minutes so uh you know if you're going and expecting like some great method acting performance from jared leto you're not going to find it there sorry to spoil it for you there but you know fuck it 
a lot of the characters are just kind of throwaway, and the storyline is kind of too big for a team this size. They should really have been focusing on some smaller opponents. I guess Amanda Waller's pretty interesting, pretty good character, good villain, about as good as the uh, cartoon version, which is pretty good. So there you go. Uh, they throw a lot of you know hip music in there to try to make you think this movie's cool. They try to make everyone look cool, uh, but it just kind of falls flat. I mean, the action scenes aren't even really all that good. I mean, if you can't even build from decent action scenes, then for a movie like this, what do you got going for you? It's just not all that interesting. There's nothing really all that compelling about this film, and uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, they had the potential here to make their version of Guardians of the Galaxy, I guess, but they just didn't pull it off. So, is it worth watching? Eh. I don't know. If if, if you feel like rent, renting it on Redbox, like. <laughs> Whenever it comes out, that might be your best option, or Amazon Prime, or some bullshit, whatever the fuck you do. But I wouldn't go to theaters to see it, no fucking way, man. It's just not good. I mean, it tries to be like a summer kind of popcorn blockbuster kind of movie, and it just doesn't pull it off. It's not as fun as Guardians of the Galaxy, it's not as witty as Guardians of the Galaxy, it doesn't have the action of Guardians of the Galaxy. It doesn't have the character depth and development of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I just didn't care about anyone in this film. And that's the bottom line, sad to say. So I'd say, I'd personally say skip it, but, you know, people who are interested in seeing it are going to see it anyway, I think. But um, I just hope they don't waste their money in the theaters. That's all I'm saying. All right, I think we're going to end it off now, guys. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Again, apologies that we're doing these intermission episodes, but sometimes it can't be helped. Uh, schedule-wise, it just kind of fucks with us. But, um... If you want to find us, you want to get in contact with us, of course, uh, go to tmbdos.podbean.com. There you'll find our YouTube links, our iTunes links, our link to our Facebook group, which is the single best way to get in contact with us, to leave your comments, questions, any sort of feedback at all. And we love to get that stuff. We love to respond to it. We love to interact with you guys. We want to know that you guys interested in the show and you like to talk about this shit with us because that's just part of the fun that's what we like to do man we really really do appreciate everyone who does listen to this podcast who actually does provide feedback and gets in the conversation uh it's a lot of fun guys a lot a lot of fun i am going to go out on another piece of music who knows what it's going to be and I hope you guys are all good. I hope you guys all have a good day, night, whatever it is, the situation you're uh, listening to this in. And we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For past episodes, links to the host's other stuff, and links to podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can also find links to us at iTunes and YouTube, as well as our Facebook group link, which is the best way to get in touch with us. We welcome all comments, questions, movie review suggestions, and criticisms, and we do our best to respond to everyone. You can also find us at Daniel's recently launched oispaceman.com, where you can find his sci-fi theme podcasts about Doctor Who and Red Dwarf. Thank you. Drive through.